and we are live. Seth Kramer, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm good. We made it over the pivotal 42 episode mark. That's really what separates the the men from the boys. So we're we're like into no, we're into a success mode here. Been for what? Yeah. Good it's longevity on this. Yeah, we even made it through some long hiatuses of no episode. Yeah. Uh, and now we're back. We've got a pretty good stream going here. It's, a, it's really just going from how do you get from like actually recording to posting it. But I feel like even that we're doing pretty well at. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, 42 is a lot. It's a lot of episodes. A lot of episodes. Yeah. It's a lot of time spent together. We spent over a day just talking about business ideas recorded on this podcast and probably many, many more days just talking about business ideas in general that were not recorded. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, more. I mean, 42, it's like almost two days. 48 hours. two days. Yeah. Huh. Especially Someone when you counter like content for, four, for two days straight. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I think I've listened to most every episode, so I probably have listened to two hours of this, two days of us talking. You doubled it up. I have not listened to every episode, so that's impressive. I've listened to almost all of them. We've got some good stuff there. There's some good episodes. We bring there some. Are. Now let me let me see if I can bring an equal amount of heat today. Let me, let right. me see if I can do that for you. Let me let I me so. try to tickle your fancy. So let me let me start off with a little business idea for you. Why don't we start here? Okay auto-generated investor updates. And let me explain the idea further. So investor updates are something that I've done in the past and have taken me a lot of time. And it's kind of a whole process. Like you need to get multiple people involved because you need data from all these different organizations. You need to add some like narrative around that. But even just getting the content together and like the data together into one place takes a while, even though it's kind of a template every month or however periodically you send your, your update. It could be weekly, it could be monthly, but it's whatever it is, it's a distraction from people actually focusing on the core business. And I do think that there's an opportunity to tap into companies' data, create basically like a template of an investor update, and then be able to generate data for that update. And then if you want to spend any time on it, I think the time to spend on it would be to like figure out what is the narrative that you want to tell on top of the data that you generate. But I feel like investor updates are one of those things that are kind of a formality, like you need to do it, but no one wants to do it and no one wants to spend all the time doing it. It feels like such a waste. So being able to automate it in some way or even automating like the bulk of it seems like a good idea to me. So that's idea one. And then I'll just, I'll float this out there that I think there are really good product extensions for this. I think one is uh, generating board decks or at least like help generating board decks. And the second one would be Maybe you send out like a monthly investor update. Maybe you can send out like weekly data reports on just like here are how some key metrics are trending. So I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on this idea. My thoughts are that I, I like the idea. I think that if you're able to auto-generate investor updates though, you would, I feel like even the more valuable use case is just auto-generating, like you said, the weekly or daily updates for the, for the, the owner, like the, the managers of the business, right? And the founders and the managers, right? So if you have all that data and you're generating those narratives, I feel like generating it from like more, more of an operational point of view st standpoint is like, I guess that could be an extension as well, but like you would want to use, like, why not use it for both, right? Because if you're, if you have all access to all of that and you're auto generating it, then doing it on more of an operational level, I feel like would be even more valuable than the investor updates. What do you yeah. think? 
No, I, I think they're both along the same lines. Like it, generating these reports are things that you kind of have to do. Like right. they aren't really auto-generating reports, basically. Yeah, yeah, but they're really helpful, and they're things that detract from your actual business. It's like the core acquired. Like you should outsource things that do not make your beer taste better. There is no world in which writing and spending time on an investor update or data reports makes the beer of your business taste better. It just doesn't happen. So to be able to actually take this data and automatically generate a report from it seems mm. like a really valuable thing. And yeah. it would free up so much time and so much headspace to be able to focus on more important things. And maybe the thing that you really want to focus on is how do I tell the story about this data? And that seems like something you should not outsource. You want to own the narrative of what your data says. But what you don't necessarily need to do is have the equivalent of like, thousands of dollars or maybe tens or depending on how big your company is, you're spending a lot of money on just generating these reports. And it is taking away the opportunity cost is that you're not actually having people spend time on doing things that drive your business forward. Maybe right. you could argue that there's some benefit in spending time thinking about the narrative, but I, I still think that you get to be able to spend time on that rather than just like forcing people to spend time crunching numbers and generating PowerPoint slides or notion docs where you, all you do is you outline certain numbers that have gone up or down in a report. Yeah, I like the idea. And I think that the way the the way technology is going in the future, there people, I think this is something that's going to be generated by generated by AI and more auto-generated and tweaked by humans as opposed to put together by analysts, because it's just going to be so much more efficient to do it that way. So I think that it is a good idea. The challenge is like who can do it in a way that is like easy to implement and actually works well. And if you can solve that, then I, I feel like it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely a great idea. Yeah. Now the question to me is the actual, how do you build this? Because I'm sure like, this is what I'm thinking about. And I'm curious to ask you about this. Cause you might know more about it than I do. Like if I have, if I have payment data for a business, let's say I'm like, I don't know, like I'm an e-commerce company and I I'm like generating these reports. I probably don't want my data to go back into the central repository of whatever service I'm outsourcing my reporting to. So what I want it to do is I almost want it to be like a tool like Looker or Tableau, where it's like, it's an interface and it takes my data, but it doesn't feed back anywhere. And I, I'm not sure, I guess my question is really like, how do these systems or these AI models or algorithms improve without actually storing the information itself? You know what I mean? Like, how do they get access to the data such that they can actually use it to tune their model? and tune the like actual report generation without actually using the and storing the data itself. Does that make sense? I know. I, well, I think they are storing the data. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can with that. I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you can't train the model and improve it without using the data that's being added to it. Yeah. Or you need some data or some way to access data, or maybe you like can take, I don't know. There's probably gotta be some way where you can like, generate dummy data or take the like changes that people make to the reports that you generate and use that to fine tune the model. Like maybe you're not mm -hmm. using their data directly, but you're like using the nudging and the adjustments that they make in order to fine tune your model. But that was right. really the question is like, how would a company like that operate? How would you actually get to exist and improve your model without actually using a company's data? Cause I would imagine that a company would not want this service to use their data. Although I, I don't know, like I guess Google Cloud or Azure or AWS, they technically have access to some of this data such that they can fine tune whatever they do internally, mm. I guess, but I'm not, I'm not sure actually how it works. Yeah. So the idea is like presentations, so like Tome, T-O-M-E, which is like an AI presentation tool, 
this would be kind of like that, but also implement charts and things based on your actual data that you mm -hmm. have, essentially. I wonder yep. how Tome deals with that, if they do any of that or, or not. I don't know. I mean, the other analogy that I was thinking of was Apple, where they do a lot of stuff locally on your phone that they don't actually pull the data right. back to internally. So there's got to be a way to do it. I'm just, I'd be so curious to learn what is the right way to build a product like that. It's interesting that, so Tome, their headline is the new era of storytelling. And the idea is that they help you tell better stories, which is interesting, which is the opposite of what you were saying, where the story is not done by AI, but it actually does make sense that AI would help you with the story also, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You could totally have it take a first stab, but I think yeah. that you just don't want it like generating and then submitting it for you. I think that that's one where you probably want to be more thoughtful. Headline, generate narratives with one click. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool product. I think it's similar to like, look at all this work that's done by consulting firms and how much money yeah. consulting firms pay analysts to basically just generate slides. And then I guess by extension, yeah. how much clients paid McKinsey to get their analysts to generate they, slides. So you would right. think that there'd be some way to be able to say like, a lot of this data exists in either Excel or maybe before that some database. And could we not just have somebody able to like generate slides and charts in some specific format without having to have a, a like slide maker do it for you? I mean, I, I think that the, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense, totally. Tome is a nice website. Yes, I, I think that, I don't know exactly what it would look like to build this type of tool to create, to integrate with the the data. But then also, do you need AI to build charts based on data? Why not? I would think so. But why would you? Couldn't you just take the, I guess the idea is that the AI will look at your data and decide what charts to create in the first place, essentially. Yeah, I think it's really just outsourcing work that you would have a human do. And mm. part of that work being like generate a chart or help us tell this story into and just like offload that to code. Right. That's what I see as the but, job being done here. It's like, oh, I don't need to have my analyst do this. I can instead just like be the person who's helping to shape the narrative. I can have it plug into all our data and I can just like work with it and figure out what story I want to tell and have it help me tell that story as opposed to having to work with a whole team of analysts and managers and everybody to get all that data to then be able to tell that story and make mm -hmm. revisions and ask them. And they're annoyed with me because like they spent all this time making all these charts and now I'm asking for all these edits. I would think that it would just free everyone up for higher level thinking. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's gonna happen. It's a matter of who's gonna build it. Yeah, and that seems to be like a very specific example of something where I can totally see the pitch to a company of like, you don't need to spend time on working on your investor updates. That's something you really should not be doing. We're going to help you and we're going to completely reduce the amount of time you spend on it. And if you want to do things like instead of sending out a weekly report, you can do daily reports or even if you want like internal reports, can totally do that too. But you don't necessarily need to like have someone create a looker dashboard. You don't need to have someone or teams dedicated to creating investor updates. Instead, you can have this system just do it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I'll share the inspiration for this was I still sure, yeah. get all of Levels' investor updates and they're really good. Like they're really thorough. They spend a lot of time on it clearly and they do them, they do like some reporting weekly, but they do these investor updates monthly and mm -hmm. it must take them a lot yeah. of human time to do this. Yeah. I and used to work on the investor updates for Urban Stems and every month I would put together a data dashboard 
a lot of it was automated. I put, I had a dashboard that I created and then it just updated every month, but it was the same charts every month, basically. Right. Yeah. Totally. And that's the thing is a lot of this data is going to be, or even the charting is going to be the same. It's mostly just like, here's the update. And now let me tell you about like other things that are going on in the business. And that's really what the CEO should probably be doing. But mm. just to have someone generate charts, probably not. Even if it's like you automate it to a certain point, like you did where you create the charts and you just have it update the data every month, it still takes time and it takes management. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it takes a little time. But then, yeah, I do think that it's like, okay, looking at the data, telling the story around the data. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes someone like levels to create do those updates i guess probably a decent amount of time i would guess that it takes at least 100 hours of human time per month at least as like a baseline i would imagine that that's what it takes at this point and 100 let's say you can get that even down to like 10 to 20 so if mm. you can save 80 hours i should have made the math easier but if you save like 100 hours of work at 50 dollars an hour $75 an hour, $100 an hour. That's like tens of thousands of dollars in savings. It could be over $100,000 in savings by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's no reason for that. Like every company could not have best in class investor updates like Levels does without spending all the time that they do. Right, right. Yeah, I like the idea. Would you consider working on it? I don't know if it's my jam. I think it's cool. Yeah. I think that it's a sweet idea. And I think it's actually something I would be suited to do given that I think I have like, good business context. I have product development con like abilities. And I do think this is one of the software products where being a consultant does give you an advantage because I think you understand like what goes into a lot of this chart creation and like data analysis and how do you present that data? How do you tell stories? That's like all consultants do is they, they like crunch numbers and they create presentations and they like try to make things palatable to clients. And so I actually think that this is something where my consulting background actually would help. I don't think yeah. I want to work on it, but I think it's a cool idea. I don't know. Yeah. If you work on it, I, I feel like, I feel like you could do, yeah, this, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, you could do a, this could be like a good founder market fit for you potentially, except yeah. for the fact that you're not excited about doing it, but the, otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to, maybe this is like a, an interesting tangent, but what I'm realizing as I get older is that there's no shortage of good ideas. There are plenty of good ideas out there. I think it's more about like, what are the ideas that I'm actually excited about channeling my time and energy into? Because that's much more limited. When I was 24 and I started Box Jump, I was like, well, this is an idea. It seems like it's working kind of well. I'm just going to keep going in with it. And now it's much more like, I mean, I, I could do this, but I don't know if I want to. And if I don't want to, then what's the point? I don't know if you feel differently, but that's where my brain's been at recently. Well, I'm not really in the mode of like starting something new, but when when I am, for me, it's kind of like, okay, what do I think? Who are the cost? Like, okay, who, who are the customers? And do you want to spend your time with those people? That's something to think about because you're going to be spending a lot of time with your customers. Is the product something that would you think would be fun to build? And do I think that there's like money in this idea and that it there, like you can build something that, that will make money to me? Like, I don't care as much about, oh, I, and interested in whatever, like, like I, if I'm interested in, you know, playing basketball, it doesn't have to be a basketball startup. Like it doesn't have, like, for me, it's not about that type of interest for me, but it's more about those other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fair. 
Yeah, I get, I think a lot of it's about knowing yourself too, though. Like that's something that's good for you to know. I think for me, I'm just much more, I'm much better at working on things than I am where I am interested in the industry. And that is something that's kind of, I don't know if it's a deal breaker for me, but it has been a bit of a challenge when I've realized that a lot of the things I'm interested in are not necessarily huge money-making industries. It's not like, wow, I'm so passionate about healthcare and there's like a shit ton of money in healthcare. I'm like, I'm super interested in podcasts and that's a relatively niche thing, even for as big as we both think it is. Fitness is like one of the most fickle consumer markets of all time. Fantasy football is interesting, but small still too. So I don't know, like I'm interested in very niche, weird things. And maybe it's just that I haven't worked on something like you're saying before, where it's been fun to work on and it worked and I like the customer base. So maybe I would be willing to expand my scope, but I feel like at this point, this is my best guess at the things I'd like to work on or I'm about industry and I get much more interested when I'm engaged in the subject matter. Right. Right. No, it makes sense. Yeah. No B2B SaaS for you. I I think B2B SaaS is kind of cool. It just depends on the industry. I would do something like fitness B2B SaaS again. Well, fitness B2B SaaS. Yeah. But like this would be B2B SaaS, right? Like auto-generated investor updates is, is just, you know. Yeah. 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 But it's not, you know, it's not the sexiest, most exciting thing. So I get that. Yeah. 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 I don't disagree with you. I mean, I guess my point was more like, I think I could do that. I don't know if it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And I think I do want to work on something that gets me out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's more of a personal reflection. That's not necessarily like, this is the way to start a company. That's just for me. No, of course. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll offer up to you. Is there an idea that you want to jump to? And if there's not, I have, I have plenty. Feel free to go shopping at the the bodega of blank. Well, what's, what's your next, is it a business idea? Do you have a business idea? I've got, related. I've got one dog related business idea. I've got another fitness related business idea. And I have a, an idea, a potential idea, but it's more of like a brainstorm. I'm curious to ask your opinion on something based on a conversation I had with Andrew over which, the weekend, which is the one that you're most excited about talking about. I'll save the puck one. I'll save the, the dog one. Let me, let me tell you the fitness business idea. All right. Are, are, are you familiar with what Murph is the Murph workout? Did you see this picture Um, viral of what Zuck did yesterday? Yeah, only because of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So quickly for our our tens of listeners, our dozens of listeners, we every year CrossFit does a workout called Murph uh, on Memorial Day. Murph is a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and another mile run, all wearing a 20-pound weight vest. It's in honor of a fallen soldier who his last name was Murphy. So that's why they call it Murph. And it's done every year on Memorial Day by every CrossFit gym. It's like a thing and everyone knows about it and everyone does it. But no one that I know really trains for it. Like no one really decides, oh, you know what? Like I'm going to start practicing my mile run and my like push-ups and pull-ups. CrossFit gyms will maybe schedule a one-off workout where they actually do it. And not the full thing. Maybe they'll do like 10 rounds of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, but definitely not the whole thing. And I think that there's going to be interest in it after what Zuck did this year to the point where I think people will want to start getting better times and training for it because he got a ridiculous time. He got like minutes off of the world record time. And for context, like I did it in 10 minutes slower than what Zuck did. I think even 13 minutes slower than what Zuck did. He crushed it. He did it really well. So effectively, the, the pitch is, a Murph training program. And I think there's like a, you could do this a couple of ways. I think one is you could set up groups online where you could like 
have people train together, even virtually. I think the other is you could put a program together where you can help people practice for the month months leading up to Memorial Day, where you could do like workouts where you schedule it and you can have people post their times and you could give people exercises to do that would help to get their scores down. Because most people, like I didn't even do it with a weight vest. People who do it with a weight vest are not used to doing workouts with a weight vest on. It's like really a once a year one-off thing. So what do you think of this idea? Murph training programs. I think that it's a good idea. And I think that it should be started tomorrow or very soon while, cause like it's just people, this is a meme, right? And yeah. I feel like you may or like, maybe it will become a thing anyway. And people will just become interested in it. And the Google trend will stay, stay, stay as it is. My guess is that there's probably a period of about two weeks where people will kind of remember what this is and kind of are thinking about it and know about it. And like, Maybe you could even, someone who starts it could turn it into kind of a thing over the next month or so. And, but I do think that there probably is some level of, it's going to be easiest to start more, you know, now because it's become, it was a little bit viral. However, I still could see it working even afterwards. Like it's, it's just a program. People do know what it is. Like it's not going away anywhere. And I think that's, that is interesting just as like a, a program that like a workout program and what, what would it look like? I guess as a program, like what are you selling people? I'm imagining that you would do one of two things. One is you would create a product where it's effectively like groups and you put people into this group and people can post their scores and they can encourage each other. And maybe you like advertise products and maybe that's one business model. The other one would be you develop a program kind of like you would develop coaching or a program for training for a marathon. You're like, yeah. hey, week one, do this. And week two, do like this workout where you do 10 minutes, as many rounds as you can of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. And this like this one, we're going to sell a weighted vest and we're going to get a mark or like an affiliate fee on this. And like, you can maybe layer in a few things. I don't think it's going to be a big business. I think it could be like relatively small, but it could be fine. And it could. I think that it's something where you could maybe get people to do it outside of Memorial Day because now they know it's a thing. Um, mm. or you could just like capitalize on the momentum of it, people knowing about it right now because of Zuck, or you could wait until like three months before Murph next year or three months before Memorial Day next year and start right. advertising it then and then get people to do it because I think people will remember it then also. I feel like what could be cool too is almost having like if someone signs up, if they're like maybe there's like a, it's like $300 and then you also get access to like texting a coach who can like help motivate you or give you feedback or based on what you're doing and like getting a little bit of personalized support from someone who is like amazing at it. Right. And, and, and has like the best score ever and can help you get the best score that you can get basically. So getting a little bit of, of like live text coaching or something. Yeah. I also think this would be the type of thing that's cool for Andrew. If you were to do it, where like he has all the tracking capabilities of could he tell what exercises you're doing, but then could he also layer this in as a coaching product of like, Oh yeah. If you want to be part of our premium group and you want to pay monthly for our premium service, as part of that, we're going to give you these coaching programs for these specific exercises like Murph. You could do others as well, but this is probably the most famous CrossFit workout that people do. And now it's like people outside of CrossFit know about it too. How did Zuck get such a good time? Dude, he he's prepared he for that. Ripped. No, he's ripped now. I, I'm sure he does, but he does like a ton of jujitsu. He's like crazy shredded now. He went the shredded route. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember also, so this was the workout where 
I don't know if you remember this happening, but Eric Trump said that he did it in like the same exact time as, as Zuck a few years uh, ago. And no, I don't at, remember that. Okay. At the time, people were like, he would have been basically like elite, elite, elite in terms of his time. There's no way. But then you look at the picture of Zuck and he actually is in insane shape. And I totally believe that he did get that time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he would lie about it. I don't, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. The only thing I can see is like maybe he ran like a course that's like three quarters of a mile instead of a mile. But even so, you're talking about like a couple of minutes off. You're not talking about like 15 minutes off. Yeah. I mean, he must have prepared for that, I guess. Uh, maybe he didn't. Maybe he just isn't really yeah. in shape now, also. Yeah. Some people are just in insane shape. So, yeah. And I know that there's this is like a thing that a lot of people want to PR. I know the spirit of it is more like, don't worry about setting a personal record. It's really just about honoring the soldier. Don't worry about it. But so many people, even so, still want to get a PR. And so I think there is an opportunity to help people every year when they're not really thinking about it. They don't necessarily want to train for this. It's such a hard workout. You don't want to necessarily like practice it routinely. But yeah. a lot of people still want to get a good time. And I'm sure that you could sell even the CrossFit hardos on like, here's a training program and we'll get you the PR and yeah. we'll like help you get the best time ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I like it. Cool. Thanks. All right. I got the, I got a, I got another one. I got a trend here and I think yes. because I recorded a podcast this morning with, let me get her name, Anita Kurkowska, who is a no code builder, AI, no code AI builder. She has a product called voicepen.ai, which turns videos into blog posts. She has a newsletter as well, an AI newsletter called the prompt.io. But one of the trends that that she mentioned on the podcast, on the No Code MBA Show podcast, if you're listening, a little cross promotion to the No Code MBA Show podcast, is, and and what what this reminded me of, because she also mentioned vector databases, and and it were, but was like, oh yeah, that also like you know really was a few months ago, and it reminded us of our conversation when a few months ago we said, okay, pretty soon there's going to be all these apps out there that are you know trained on like answering questions based on your own website data using a vector database. And then there were what her, one of her predictions is voice AI is going to become really trendy. And in the next few months, we're going to see a bunch of startups and companies that are going to train an AI based on your own voice and allow you to use your voice in a variety of different things. And I think that is a pretty spot on trend because it's kind of one of those things where you're kind of seeing hints of it here and there. Like you're seeing uh, people start talking about it. You're seeing some demos of it. The Drake and, song that came out that was viral a few weeks ago. It, exactly. And I think that pretty soon it's going to go mainstream. And it's one of those things where if you are looking for an AI business idea to start and you want to be on the cutting edge and early, I think that text like AI voices or text to voice is a really interesting one to think about. I don't know exactly what, like there's a lot of different angles we could go of, of brainstorming an idea with it, but I just think that general area is going to become really trendy very soon. Yeah. And I think and that's based on Anita's. Like it was her idea. And I, I just totally agree with it. Yeah. Two things that'll pour gasoline on the fire. So Apple, they have not released what's going to be in iOS 17 yet. They're announcing it next week. But one of the features that's already been announced is a voice to text, a text to no. Basically, like they can record you talking and they'll take audio that you say yeah. and they'll turn it into a voice that you can use for whatever purpose you want. And they've kind of pitched it as like, a, we can preserve memories from loved ones and like use their voice. Maybe they have some kind of 
cognitive deficiency where they can't speak anymore will almost help them use their voice. Yeah. So that's one where I think that underscores that this technology is coming fast and it's already here. It's just like not being used that much today. The other is that Spotify has been talking about creating a feature where instead of having to do ad reads or your own ad reads, they yeah. can like they can have Bill Simmons's voice read an ad without Bill Simmons actually reading the ad, which I'm yeah. sure is like a really cool thing for creators. And that's already one thing that's really differentiated for Spotify, where if you want to not only like share your podcast on Spotify, you know, in the same way that you would share it to Apple Podcasts and Overcast and wherever, but if you want to originate the generation of that podcast and the recording of that podcast on Spotify and then have them take care of everything to the point where you can just be like, yeah, record it and like read whatever um, advertisements for me and like, cool, just post it. That's something that you'll be able to get from Spotify that you won't be able to get from anyone else unless they offer that as a feature. So mm-hmm. I think there, are, there are already hints of companies that are already doing this. And I totally agree. It's going to be a thing. I'm trying to think of, do you have any business ideas off the top of your head of how you would actually implement it? I'm trying to think because I think one, the one idea is kind of like the AI avatar generate a bunch of novel things. So it's like a novel thing. It's a new thing. You know, maybe there's something cool where you can generate your voice and have it be doing something interesting that people care about. I don't know if that would work as well as the AI avatar, just from a novel standpoint, like people might think it's kind of cool, but I'm not totally sure. I'm trying to think of other business use cases. I think this Spotify ads one is one that makes a lot of sense, but that's that's kind of within them. Yeah. I think what else? I think that like generating audio, one thing that could be cool is if you're a creator and you have a bunch of blog posts, maybe like gen- turning that into some audio content, something like that could be could be a business use case for it. Yeah, okay, we're on the same wavelength here because I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about if you're, a writer, let's say you're Malcolm Gladwell, and you want to have an audiobook generated for your book, then you could totally do that. Or like as an extension, maybe it's like, instead of having the current audiobook that's already recorded using Malcolm Gladwell's voice, you can instead buy the version that's narrated by Jim Gray. Is he the one who did all the Harry Potter books? I'm not sure. But he's amazing, whoever it was. I think his name is Jim Gray. I have to look it up. But you could have it like narrated by anyone and it could just auto-generate because you don't need to have that person actually record it. Or maybe you could like have them record it for the most part and you could update it or, you know, edit it slightly. Right. Um, But I totally agree. I I was thinking about the blog post one because I was thinking about Speechify, which I use to read all of my cases in business school. I basically took all the audio or all the PDFs and I turned Mm -hmm. them into audio, but it was like this robotic sound uh, and it'd be so much cooler if it were like literally anyone else like if i could just be like oh i want to listen to will arnett narrating this in in like the batman voice and like that would be much more interesting than just listening to robotic matthew reading whatever case to me and yeah i think there's there's totally something there and i i also have noticed that there are some websites where like the new york times they have article they've like transcribed the articles but also again into a kind of I think it's a robotic voice, at least for some of them. And it'd be, I love that feature. I think it's a really cool one where instead of having to read a long article, I can have it read to me, but I would love to be able to get that in a human's voice and not just in an artificial voice. It would also be really cool to be able to send it that to a podcast feed with one click. So whether you're on your phone or your, or your laptop, just like one Chrome extension or something. And then, and then it can send to your podcast feed. I love that idea. That would be I love awesome. that idea. I think that's so cool. That's so great. Yeah. 
and I, I also really like your idea of like speechify, but making it better with better voices. And then I do, there could be something interesting with licensing people like famous people's voices as well. And maybe they get paid, they would just get paid. I don't know. You could figure out the best way to, to make the economics work for them. But yeah, I, I think that would be really cool. But yeah, I would love to be able to, to get articles and send it to my podcast feed. Someone should build that. That's a great idea. No, I think it's an awesome idea. And that's so smart. Honestly, I think that could be built right now. I don't think that would even be that hard. I don't know. Like, is that, there, like, let's say for Anchor, is there an API that you can feed data into such that it would generate it and disseminate it? Or could you even just like create the right, like basically create that service that just disseminates a podcast anywhere? Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't see why not. Uh, podcast is just an RSS, it's just an RSS feed, which is open source. Which so, is true for everything but Spotify. Spotify is not an RSS feed. Correct. But Spotify still gives you an RSS feed if you like or have your podcast on Anchor because it sends it everywhere else. So I think that it would still probably go to Spotify because I think Spotify is taking RSS feeds because I'm pretty sure it would still go to Spotify. But I think that what you would need to do as a company is create a unique RSS feed for every user. And then basically, if someone has, if you have a Chrome extension and someone says, I want to put this onto my feed, you would basically take the transcript from that, run it through a text-to-voice API, and then send that file to that user's RSS feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems very doable. That seems pretty doable. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. As yeah. like hers, which is Even from like a, a personal standpoint, like I think I could just use Zapier and set up a personal version of that for myself. Yeah, you probably could. That's a cool idea. I like that. Maybe I'll try that out and see if it works. Yeah, you should. That's really cool. I like that one. What were you going to say? No, I think I'm on the same page as you around content. I really like that idea. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, it could also be cool to be able to subscribe to other people's RSS feeds. So like if I wanted to also get the articles that you were saving or or someone else that I that I follow that I want to get their articles too, it could be kind of cool. Like another way to just get some additional content and listen to it instead of reading it. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I'm also curious, like, I'd love to know what the workflow is for so many of these companies or so many content companies, because a lot of them do distribute to both YouTube and to podcasts, like the same content, but they'll just put it in both places. And I wonder if they just take this, like how they actually get it into both places. Could they not just like, could there be a service that basically just helps them and puts it in every single place once they upload it to one place? What do you mean? Like... Like basically what, what we do with Anchor, where we upload our podcast and then it disseminates to every podcast player. Is there a version of that that does that plus it uploads to YouTube too or no? I don't know. Pro I think there probably are services that do that. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, I like that. That was a cool thought starter. I like that one. It was. All right. Yeah, we got somewhere. Cool. Got All somewhere. right. What, what's your next idea? Okay. I, I've been doing a lot of research on dog products now that I'm buying a, a dog or getting a dog in the next few weeks. And one thing I like I was researching, which I thought would be a no brainer to find was an AirTag dog collar. I would think that you would like a lot of pet parents would want to be able to have an AirTag on their dog to be able to track them basically wherever they go. Mm -hmm. And there are some like 
pretty ugly ones. Or what I ended up doing was there were a bunch of stores on Etsy where you can get like a, it's basically like a, I, I can actually show you, but it, it's effectively like a little thing that you can attach to a dog collar where an air tag goes on the back and it has the name of the dog and your phone number on the front. Uh, so it's somewhat personalized to you, but, and they're like $5, but I'm imagining like a premium air tag dog collar accessory and generally just like smart products for your dogs. And the issue was that the, you want something to put the air tag into or, or the air tag itself isn't, isn't good, a good, good use case. I want something to put the air tag into. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm surprised. Wait, that's like a great accessory. Yeah. There's it makes total sense. There was like, there were a couple where the whole thing is a collar and there's a holder for the air tag in it, but it's really ugly. What I ended up getting from Etsy, and there are a lot of stores that sell these for like $7, is a personalized like holder for the dot for the air tag that you slide onto the collar. So you slide it onto an existing collar, but mm -hmm. there's no good looking air tag collar for your dog. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would say that is a really good product idea. It's it's cheap, ships easily. I like that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, That's you even bundle idea. it with AirTag and maybe even sell it at a bit of a premium just with AirTag because you're like, oh, I'll give you everything in one. Right. I, I was really surprised not to find that. Now, the other thing I found is there's a lot of very... But there, there are a lot out there. It's just a matter... You don't like the design of, of the ones that are out there. Is that right? Or there or there's not that many in general? There were not that many options and the options that were there were ugly. Got it. There's no well-designed product. The other thing is I was looking even generally for like leashes, collars, all this stuff. And there are a lot of products out there, a lot of very cheap products out there and not a lot of good looking products out there. And there was one company that I came across where I was actually really impressed by the design of their products. It was called Fable. I think if you go to fablepets.com, they're, they're both like extremely well-designed. It's kind of like the fellow products for coffee, but for dog gear. So you can see like the leashes yeah. are super sleek. The crate is super cool. And it's like a $500 crate. Like I'm buying like a $40 crate for Puck. And these are like $500 beautiful crates where it totally makes sense. Yeah. It's the same premise of, as fellow where it's like, it's stuff that you'd be proud to have out. And it's really like furniture and art as opposed to here's this metal ugly thing that's cheap and you just has utility. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like the millennial it's yeah. It's like the, I, I totally see. It's like the direct to consumer millennial brand for, for dog crates or like other stuff as well. Very cool. Very good idea. It was a great idea. I'm sure they're crushing it because they're selling. I mean, I'm sure the margins on this stuff are ridiculous. It's by far the yeah. best products on the market. And like, I, I honestly want to get the leash and the like poop bag holder, even though they're really expensive just because yeah. they're cool. And I feel like they're like I want to not just use these like shitty ten dollar leashes uh, if they're ugly. That, that that like doesn't do anything for me. I'd rather use a good looking leash if I'm walking around with it and it's one of the more public things I'm doing with my dog. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. Are there? It looks like yeah, it looks like there's a few other cool ones. Wild one. I don't know how many. I'm trying to do a little bit of research live. I like that idea. Like doing like modern cool pet gear. Yeah. Uh, is I mean people spend a lot of money on their pets and I think it's just, I think it's a great idea. I didn't yeah. see Wild One off looking into them too. That's cool. No, that's that's a really good direct to consumer brand idea. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Maybe I that could be your business. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting really into into pop. Instead of doing fashion, do like millennial dog stuff. Millennial, millennial dog stuff. Honestly, I, I'm like a really big fan of these guys. So I, I think that they've like they're basically yeah. products. I'm sure that they're doing really well. I could compete with them and try to just go after the same market. It would be cool. I like there is a part of me that thinks it would be really cool to work on a consumer product, like an actual physical. Right. I feel like I have pretty good taste. And I feel like I do a lot of research and I have strong opinions about these products. I think I could develop good ones. But yeah, I just thought this was a really fun company to look at. It was yeah. like, I, I really enjoyed going to their website and shopping. It was as opposed to going on Amazon and looking at like the $8 leashes where they're all kind of the same. And yeah, you gotta get the $90 leash. You gotta get the $90 <laughs> leash. I already, I bought on Etsy. I did like some damage on Etsy because I bought custom dog bowls. Like there was this person, I just really like ceramic pottery. And so I was curious if there was any ceramic dog bowl. And I saw this person on Etsy making these personalized dog bowl and food bowls. And they're really cool. So I just bought two of them. And I nice. got this nice for Puck. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Let me see if there's anything else. Anything else that you want to hit? No, not for me. Okay. I'll hit you with the last one and we'll see if it goes anywhere. I get a call from Andrew over the weekend. And he's basically like, okay, I have this idea. Here's what you think about it. How would you feel about rolling up a series of bookkeeping companies? And here's basically the pitch is like, you can buy them. They're a lot for sale. You can buy them for like three times EBITDA. They, and they're probably ripe for optimization. Like there are probably a few clients where they do require a lot of work. It's pretty custom, but there are also probably a lot where like, they don't need that much. They need you to generate their like regular tax return. And you could probably automate a lot of the work. And then once you do that, you can just keep layering on more of these businesses and use the proceeds from the first business to buy the next one and then the next one and keep growing this. I think the question in my mind is like, one, how much room is there actually to optimize? Like, is this a thing where you actually can? And two is, is there going to be a huge churn problem where like people really, you know, trust Jim to do their tax return. And if Jim sells the business, they're going to go find someone else. Even if you don't tell them like, oh, it's actually automated on the back end, even just the fact that you're taking Jim out of the business, is that important? Yeah. And so the question is one, what you think about this idea, but two, we were chatting about like non-traditional roll-up ideas where you actually could add mm -hmm. automation. Maybe AI is like an extreme word for what you could do, but there's mm -hmm. like efficiencies that you can gain from like adding scale to a business and automating certain parts of the business. And yeah. like paralegal work is the really hot one right now, but maybe bookkeeping is another one like this. Are people rolling up paralegal work firms right now? Not necessarily like rolling them up, but there are a lot of people who are starting like venture backed. We're going to use AI to automate a lot of the things that paralegals will do. Yeah. Uh, and sense. we'll sell that as a service. But this is, he was thinking about it less as like a venture backed opportunity and more as like his buddy who was laid off wanted to do something new and what could he work on? If you wanted to go like buy a business like this, could he go do it? Mm. Remember what I was saying about, I don't care as much about the industry. Yeah. I would not want to be in the book <laughs> industry. This is all. your line. <laughs> this is like the Chamath meme where he goes, that is below my line. This is, this is below your line. I still can't believe he did that. <laughs> that was maybe like a top five douchiest moment of any podcast ever where he just goes, I, they were talking about something serious. It was like the Russia-Ukraine conflict. No, it was, that the is it was the Uyghur. Oh, um, yeah, you're right. The it was Uyghur way genocide. The Uyghur genocide is below my line. <laughs> just a really tough take for Chamath. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> I, 
I, I think that this idea of, okay, what is AI actually going to be able to automate away? Like away the work. And if bookkeeping is something like that, then I, I think it could actually be really, really smart. Now, I think you're asking the right questions of would there be churn? I don't think there would be. I think it's also bookkeeping, not taxes. I think people are probably a little less wed to their bookkeeper, I would say. Also kind of, you know, messed up in a, a little bit, although not if it's if AI is going to automate this away, it's going to automate it away. But we kind of be a little messed up to just buy everyone and then fire everyone at the company and then automate it. I mean, but, that's what private equity would do. It's, no, it's I, small time PE. Right. We're just going to buy up every mom and pop shop and we're going <laughs> to gut it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, you've been a great employee. This we're going to gut it so that I can make a million dollars. You've been a great employee for 42 years. And I know you really need this paycheck, but I really need a new boat. So, I'm <laughs> you. so I don't know. I, yeah. So you know, I guess that's my initial thoughts, but I, I think you're asking the right questions about it. Yeah. And how much can actually be automated? What efficiencies are there really to be had? Yeah. I would imagine there is probably maybe some efficiencies of with software, even without AI, maybe, you know, one, you can increase the work efficiency of one employee by 50%. And then immediately your profits go up pretty significantly just by reducing, because all your costs are like human capital. Right. So yeah. I, I think that there is actually something to that. Probably. Yeah. I agree. I was I was trying to think of other ideas and, too. And also not. just on that idea, bench. Have you heard of bench bench before? No. Bench.com. Let's see if they got the dot com. No. Nope. That's a good no, domain snack if they got it. Bench, bench accounting or bookkeeping. Okay. Bench bench.co. So what they do is it's been, they've been really successful. It's essentially a startup and they do your bookkeeping for you. And I think they also do your taxes, but it's and but they basically productized it for for startups and they position themselves for startups mm -hmm. and i would assume that they have a lot of efficiencies and maybe they even have bought up bookkeeping companies and rolled them up i don't know how they've grown but that would be like one to look at if you were looking to do that basically yeah that, similar to pilot.com which is mentioned on acquired all the time i i think he was thinking about this pilot the same thing very similar, I think. From what you described, it looked pretty similar. Yeah, um, bookkeeping, tax, CFO, R and D. I think it's, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah, and this is really like the venture back version of it, where it's like, oh, we want to actually use software to automate all these things, and if there is a person that you need to add, like we can add that as a service into it. This is more like for mom and pop companies, where like you are relying on some individual person to do your taxes, then we can probably automate a lot of the work from that way was right Drew's idea at least yeah yeah what other i what other industries or ideas do you think there could be to like automate things away in this way i was trying to think i, I like my brain went in a couple directions i was partially thinking about if you were to roll up companies what are like industries where i think you could gain efficiencies even if that efficiency is not getting rid of a lot of people i've had this idea for a while of rolling up crossfit gyms just because i feel like there's so much waste in terms of but it's more on like member acquisition and member retention and less yeah. on can you get rid of people because i don't think that you're getting rid of coaches you're not really getting rid of individual people yeah why is there no like it's are it seems to me that most crossfit gyms are like individual and there's one of them in a city 
But yeah. are there anywhere like there's one owner and they own like five CrossFit gyms across the city? Yes, but it's more like they own two or three. Uh -huh. That's kind of max. I would say like the vast majority own one and they're one off locations. And then a couple like in DC, CrossFit DC has two locations. Right. There was, there was another owner in Arlington who had two locations, but those were like actually mostly my clients for box jump because a lot of the one-off owners were like, ah, I just kind of wanted to train people and I wanted to buy a gym. It sounded cool. But once you buy or have a second location at that point, you're kind of raising your hand and saying, I'm serious enough to where I run a run a business here. I'm not just trying to like do this for fun. I'm opening up multiple locations with the intention of trying to grow this and make money. And mm -hmm. those are the people who I think are like interested in, or I think they're already like, oh, I want to, you know, scale up my business, but they're not going so far as to say, I'm going to roll up like 25 to 50. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that makes sense. Like rolling up 25 to 50, there would be tons of efficiencies. I'm sure you could gain. Yeah. I'm sure there'd also be some challenges where the reason it's probably so good people like it is because the owner is the coach, right? Or like, yeah. is that the case where it's always the owner being like the, the trainer basically? Yeah. In a lot or of not cases, necessarily. Yes. Not necessarily, yeah. but in a lot of cases, yes. I, I do, like I was talking about this with Andrew too, though. I don't know if CrossFit is the type of thing where like you can set up some really cool CRM campaign and like that's going to get people to come back and that's going to improve retention. Uh, I think you do it on the acquisition side, but on the retention side, it's probably more about like community and do you like the workouts and do you like the people? Yeah. But there's not really probably much you can do on the CRM side. This was probably like my fatal flaw with Box Jump the original time was I don't know if member retention is really like a it's acquisition you know, that's the challenge more than acquisition yeah, challenge retention. Yeah, exactly i agree but i i think that's possible also if you think about it it's like think about barry's boot camp right that's kind of like they created a brand they yeah. just expanded it and scaled it up but the the instructors obviously aren't owners they're just instructors and right retention is i mean i'm sure there there definitely is something to retention with them as well but mm -hmm. so i think there is something to retention but right like kind of why can't you like scale up your own crossfit brand right and and have 25 locations of a crossfit brand or have 10 locations in one city and it can be a crossfit yeah. and also then people could go to any location as well if they wanted to yeah I don't know how useful that would be necessarily because you might want to go to the same location but it could be useful sometimes. No, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, like I, I, talking on that. I think it's a good idea. I actually, you, did you, you met my friend Nick Wheeler, right? He was the one who was, he's doing a search fund. He was talking to you about yeah. it at one point. He, I pitched that to him as an idea for his, his search fund. And he's like, oh, that's actually really interesting. So that was one where I've actually like, I've talked to people about it. And I, I think Nick would be actually the perfect person to do it. He was an army ranger, which is like the Navy SEALs of the army. He, uh, he's super smart. He wants to do this. I think it would be a cool business for him. Do it. Yeah. You'd have to raise a good amount of money though. So, so well, I guess you do it slowly. It wouldn't be like you do it immediately. But you yeah. could buy five. I agree, but I think it's similar to this bookkeeping idea where it's like a lot of people who are looking to do search funds or mini PE funds are looking to buy like HVAC companies or something, you know, like th there are a few categories where it's like, okay, these are the search fund companies. But I think bookkeeping, what I liked about it as an idea was like, no one's really competing with you on that one. I don't think there are that many people out there who are trying to like really roll up bookkeeping companies right now and make them more efficient. It's it's like not a set of dry cleaners. It's not like commercial driver's license companies. It's not HVAC companies. It's not really tapped yet. And yeah. so I like the idea that it's something new.
It's another good search fund one. Yeah. 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 And I like the CrossFit one too, because I think it's like one of those things where, uh, and probably similar to bookkeeping, I think you could do it in the same way. You could build up a, a pretty meaningful services business and then like layer on a software business on top of it, where you are the first and best customer of that software. But then you could roll it out to other companies if they want to use it for, right. I don't know, for like gym management, if you wanted to use like your own proprietary gym management software, but then roll it out, you could totally do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Carve All right. Out? You got any carve outs? What do you got? Okay. I, I feel like the one that I got to hit you with is the succession finale. I'm not going to spoil anything. Oh, dude, dude, you gotta it. Watch I saw it. I saw you it. You saw it? Wait, you watched yeah. succession? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, this is even better. What do you think? <laughs> All right. So spoilers in case anyone. Spoilers. This, you should probably drop right now if you don't want to yeah, hear just, anything Just succession. shut the podcast. Yeah, just shut um, it off. So I, I really liked it. I, I thought it was going to be Tom. It just made the most sense. And also after reading stuff online before it was, but like, regardless, it kind of just made the most sense when you thought about it. So yeah. I wasn't surprised, but I thought it was good. What about you? I, I thought it was the right way to end the show. I think it was unsatisfying in that you, like you get to love these characters and you want to have them win. Like I really wanted Kendall to win personally, even yeah. though I think this is the right way to end the show. And I think that they ended it in the exact right way. Like they should not have won. They were all idiots. They really should not have taken over the throne. And I think it was the exact right story to tell. It was just unsatisfying because there was not like this clean, oh, the good guys won. Instead, it was like they all lost and they all kind of fucked it. And yeah, so it was just, I thought it was a little unsatisfying, but I think that there was, it was like the best way to tell the story. Yeah, it made the most sense. Best way to tell the story. Yeah, I was like, at one point I was like, oh, is maybe Kendall really will get this. But also it was too yeah. early in the episode that they thought that he was going to get it and it kind of figured... But yeah. they did the job of with Shiv backing out. I didn't expect that in that way. Yeah. Also, is that how they do board votes, like one at a time, where everyone sees what what each other vote, or do they do it silently? I don't know. I, I think it could go either way. I'm actually not sure on that. Yeah. I there were so many good scenes in the show in the episode too. Like the meal fit for a king was amazing. That was yeah. like a plus all time scene. I loved when Tom put the sticker on Greg at the end yeah that was so good there's so many i also like when greg called kendall and then kendall was telling like his siblings about it and they're like are you sure he's like oh yeah 100 percent kept greg <laughs> <laughs> like they he really built up his reputation where he was so trusted yeah, like... that's so good and he greg almost pulled it off too he did like a lot of moves correctly where he was listening in and he was translating what all the information <laughs> yeah. was. Feel like he just missed the part about them saying that it was Tom who was going to take over and so they're right. saying we're going to fuck shit. So he just missed it. And yeah. if he had known, he probably would have actually gone on Tom's side, but because he didn't, he went straight yeah. to Kendall. That yeah. was so good. Yeah. When they called him Judas too, that, that really got me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jesus and his disciples and even Judas is here. And then they all laugh. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Did you, see was... the, did you see the spoiler? It wasn't a spoiler. It was more like a prediction about like the meaning of the name mom's game yeah yeah I that was that. also an all-time fan theory i thought that was great and she totally I, nailed it i wonder if that was really why they came up with the name or that was just re coincidence it seems too much to be a coincidence I don't know. I don't it know. feels like too much to be a coincidence yeah i don't know but it was really good i loved it such a good show yeah that was great i do well, remember that was my... go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say after game of thrones i remember thinking wow like they really 
it's the end of an era. How are they going to replace this? And then Succession came out, and I was like, wow, how are they going to replace this? And I'm, I'm just hoping that there's something good in the pipeline. They've got to bring some heat. There will be. Yeah, there will be. Yeah. Cool. Hey. Sounds like yours. I, I would say that was pretty much the same in terms of TV or podcasts, things like that. So, yeah. Cool. Love it. Good episode today. Cool. Yeah. Great episode. Lots of ideas. I like it. Lots of ideas. That was awesome. fun. All right. I'll see you later. See you, dude. Bye.